Welcome to the Patrick Real Estate Show, where we explore the fascinating world of real estate investing with your host, Patrick Switek. Patrick is a dynamic young entrepreneur and an accomplished real estate investor who's passionate about helping others achieve financial freedom. Each week, we sit down with some of the most inspiring individuals in the real estate industry and delve into their personal journeys, lessons learned, and secrets to their success. Let's dive into this week's episode. Hey, welcome, Austin, to the Patrick Real Estate Show. Austin is a boutique hotel connoisseur. He currently has one operation that's meeting its targets and beyond targets. Austin didn't have boutique hotels experience prior. He used to come from a residential background with development, uh, flipping houses, gut job developments, doing a lot of different things in short-term rentals, long-term rentals, mid-term rentals. He did it all. And then he finally made his way into the commercial space. And he started with just living in his parents' basement. So he didn't start with crazy amounts of money to his name. It's just, you know, he really just built everything himself. And I'm really excited for other people that to feel that same inspiration to get out of that situation, maybe that they're in to be able to create something for themselves. So without further ado, Austin, welcome to the show. What's going on, Patrick? That was quite the introduction there. Yeah, I know. I had to ask you before. Sure. I was like, can you give me a little recap? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. All I really know, the most I know about Austin really is the fact that you've done tremendous leaps in the commercial boutique hotel space. And that's really where I know you from is through your partner, Rafa. So shout out to Rafa. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I, I'm really excited to just dive into you a little bit more today and even myself. And hopefully everybody learns from this experience. But without further ado, like, how did you get started? What was the starting point? Yeah, give you guys like a less than 10 minute version here. So we keep you all entertained, but without getting out of the details. So essentially, we're going to go back. I graduated from the University of Michigan in 2018. I graduated with a degree in mathematics. Really didn't want anything to do with it. I just did it to make my family proud. They're all college educated. And essentially... I am now 30. I graduated at the age of 25. Was, it took me a while to get through it. Let's just say it wasn't my my strong suit. But we made it. We made it. So after that, when I was 25, I graduated from the University of Michigan. All I loved to do was climbing. So right when I graduated, I jumped in my car. I went out west and I was a mountain guide. So I took people up in the mountains, took them ice climbing, rock climbing, everything fun in between. Didn't make a lot of money, made about $1,000 a month, lived off about $1,000 a month, and uh, yeah, lived out of my car. I was doing what I loved. And I ended up falling, ended up breaking my foot, having to come back home because mountain guy with a broken foot, not so handy. Yeah. <laughs> ended up having to come and move into my dad's basement because I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job at the time now because I was out of employment. And it was going to take a few months for me to rehab my foot and have to go to physical therapy. So I was like, I got to get a job in the meanwhile. And I didn't want anything to do with my mathematics degree, especially only for a few months because I was planning on hopping in my truck, going back out west and climbing. Got a job selling solar panels. Figured a sales job, get in, get out, make a few bucks. Very quickly, I became the number one solar panel salesman at the company within two months of doing it. Now, to preface, there were only 12 sales guys there. <laughs> uh, that was fancy, though. 
Yeah, it does sound fancy. I always like, but there's only 12 of us. Right. Yeah. So after my first sales job, I did really well. Basically, they would do all the marketing, get me in person in people's houses, and I would just have to close them. What I realized, though, is that everyone kept asking about how is this $30,000 solar panel system going to affect my homeowner's insurance? So I started looking into it, and I was like, okay, Michigan actually has pretty high insurance rates because of their auto. We have high auto rates, and they're bundling it together, home and auto, looking at a monthly price. So I thought to myself, everyone's asking about the price. Maybe all they care about is price in the state of Michigan. So I was thinking to myself, this company is sending me on these in-person appointments one-on-one -on -one with homeowners. What if I could capitalize on this even further? So I went and got my insurance license through the state of Michigan, got sponsored through Allstate. And now when this company sent me to go sell solar panels, I also had an insurance quote ready. So I started double dipping on that company's marketing and double dipping on the sales. I realized that the insurance stuff was way easier, way more scalable than the solar panel sales. So I got out of the solar panel sales, went fully into the insurance sales. And the insurance sales, that's where I learned how to build out like a cold call team. So I had people cold calling for me. That's how I learned how to kind of network. And I started going to auto dealers when they would sell a new car, I'd write the policy. Started going to real estate brokerages when they'd sell a new house, I'd write the new homeowner's policy. So this is where it all comes together. I was doing this for about two months. I became the number two sales producer at Allstate in the Southeast Michigan at the agency I was at. And there was more than 12 people there. Yeah, so I was doing really good in the sales, really good at the insurance. Yeah. And essentially from there, I was looking at a settlement statement one day from a real estate agent because I was writing that new homeowners and policy for him. I look at the settlement statement. I see this realtor is making $10,000. <laughs> the sale. Needless to say, I'm only making $100 off the sale. <laughs> Patrick, we have the same client. So <laughs> I'm just like, this is, I'm in the wrong business. I, so this is where my father comes in. My father's been a real estate broker and a builder for over 45 years. So I go to my dad and I said, dad, is this for real? Are these realtors making $10,000 a sale? He's like, yeah, that's real estate. I'm like, I got to get in on this. And then, so basically my dad tells me, you don't have what it takes to get in the real estate. He goes, it takes a lot of grit, takes a lot of hard work. He's a, you like climbing in the mountains. You don't like working evenings and weekends. and doing. <laughs> I was like, no, I could do this. So I figured out, I was like, basically what I had to do to get my license. He said, yeah, you just go to the state, take a week long class, pass the test and you're good to go. So that's exactly what I did. I ended up going, taking the class, passing the test. And the very first day when I passed, I went and quit my job at Allstate. And yeah, so there you go. Yeah, I feel like you just like, everything was a stepping stone for you right? It wasn't necessarily that that first job, people think that you're supposed to have that first job for life. And that's it. But for you, you were just like, every time that you got a job, it was just a stepping stone to finding new opportunities. And you capitalize on those opportunities. And I feel like a lot of people will jump in a job, and then they won't see the opportunities. Yeah, I think a lot of people get scared, and they're afraid to take that next step. But for right. me, I thought, how much can I really lose? I'm living in my dad's basement. <laughs> Can't get I worse have, than this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I have no money. Like I can't get much, much worse. So I was like, let's go for it. And if worse comes to worse, let's go back to it. So that's pretty much what happened there. I told my dad, yeah. So I just got licensed and I quit my job at Allstate. What do I do now? How do I get sales? And my dad freaked out. He was like, you did what? He's like, you quit <laughs> your job? And then I was like, yeah. He goes, 
I told you, you're not going to be able to make it in real estate. This is a hard industry. It takes on average, at least six months for someone to get their to sell their first listing and get a paycheck in real estate. And he's like, so what are you going to do? And I was just thinking, I'm going to go get a sale. What do I do? And I asked him and he basically, he hasn't actually listed a house since the eighties. So he, he told me, this is what you do. You go and get a legal newspaper. You see who's going in the foreclosure and you door knock all those people going in the foreclosure and you tell them you could sell the house before the bank takes it. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. The very first day of my real estate license, go get a legal newspaper. Eight people going into foreclosure that day. I knock all eight doors. The first seven slammed the door in my face. The eighth one pulls me in the house. She starts crying. She's freaking out. I don't want to lose the house. Needless to say, four hours later, I had her under a listing agreement on my very first day with a real estate license. Got that. And basically brought it home to my dad that night. And I was like, hey, look what I just did. He's like, yeah, you didn't do that. (laughs) And then he looks at the paperwork. He's like, you filled out everything wrong. So I basically, (laughs) I had no idea what I was doing. He showed me that night how to fill out the listing paperwork, went back to the lady the next day, redid it all. And here's where it takes another turn. So I saw that this house on Zillow, it was worth about 250000 And growing up throughout high school, I worked on my dad's construction sites. So I'm pretty fluent with construction knowledge and pricing and everything. I knew this house probably needed about $30,000 worth of work and she needed to sell it fast. So if it's worth two fifty, dollars she needs $30,000 worth of work. I was thinking, let's list it for two hundred. dollars Let's try to get it quick. So that third day, I get an offer from someone for cash for $180,000. And uh, she said she would take it. So I'm thinking to myself, whoa, wait, what? You're going to take this for $180,000. It needs $30,000 worth of work, but then it's worth two fifty. dollars I'm thinking there's like a $40,000 spread on this thing. <laughs> Basically, I asked her, would, would you sell me the house? And she's like, yeah, of course I'd sell you the house. So I was like, perfect. So I basically scrapped the purchase agreement from this other qualified buyer. And I wrote a legally binding purchase agreement with no inspection contingencies or anything uh, for 180000 I go back to my dad and I was like, hey, dad, check this out. I'm going to buy this house. Look at what I just did. I'm going to flip this thing. And my dad looks at it and he's like, are you nuts? He's like, you just gave up your commission? Your $5,000, $6,000 commission here? And you're going to try to buy this house? He goes, yeah, how are you going to fund it? I was like, I'm going to go to the bank. And he's like, you got a lot to learn, son. He's like, you don't have a job. He's like, the bank's not going to fund you. I was like, yeah, I'm a realtor. What do you mean? He's like, yeah, no. So basically <laughs> the next day I called about a dozen banks, found out he was right. Not going to get a thing. So go back to my dad and I'm like, hey, dad, will you fund this? And he's like, absolutely not. He's like, you just went from mountain guide to solar panel salesman to insurance salesman, to real estate salesman. Now you want to be a house flipper all in a matter of six months. He's like, we're going to get together. And I'm just like, so he's pretty disappointed in me at this point. So what I did that night, instead of giving up and telling the lady I can't buy it, I actually went and I went to all of his superintendents, all of his subcontractors, everyone at his building company, and I put agreements together. So I basically put this huge presentation together about how I'm going to flip this house, A, B, C, D, E, how much money we're going to have, all the spreads, how much everything's going to cost. I already had the contractors with his subcontractors lined up. I did it all that night. So I contacted like eight of his subcontractors, got all their bids, got all their prices, locked them in. And his superintendent, the guy who runs his building company, I put an agreement in place with him. Basically, if anything happens, if I can't execute on it, then he takes over and my dad gets all the profit. I don't get anything. 
So the next day after dinner, I pull out my laptop and I go, dad, I got to, I need 10 minutes of your time here. And I show him this whole thing. And I basically show him this presentation, show him all the contracts they got signed the night before, show him this whole timeline, everything. And my dad was like, wow, you did this all in one night? I was like, yeah. He's like, I'm actually impressed. And then so he's like, all right, I'm going to give you a loan on this. He's like, if anything goes wrong, I'm taking over per your agreements here and you're getting nothing. And he's don't ever ask me for anything again. So I was like, deal, let's go. So I got him locked in there, 10% interest, ready to go. And uh, yeah, so we close on the house. And the day after I close on it, we're about to get started. And I see this builder down the street. He's building little houses on these little lots. And I'm thinking, I got this old shitty house on this really big lot. So I go to my dad again. I'm like, dad, what's going on here? What's going on this builder? How's he building all these little houses in this lot? And he goes, simple. All you do is you look at the road frontage, see how many road frontage feet you have, and then you see how much you need to build a new house. I was like, oh, okay. So I go down to the city hall and I ask them and they're like, yeah, you got a hundred feet of road frontage and you only need 50 feet to build a new house. <laughs> I'm like, holy smokes. I have a double lot here. So this is where I was thinking outside of the box. And a little bit crazy, actually, that I even went this route. But instead of trying to flip this house and getting a $40,000 profit off that, I thought to myself, okay, so I bought this lot for $180,000. After I tear it down, get it split, surveyed and everything, maybe I'll be all in at two hundred. dollars dollars So $100,000 a lot. Now, this was 2019. And in 2019, its cost for the construction here was only about like $225,000, for these houses. So I'm thinking, are okay. Are you talking about per square foot? Total, no, 225,000. Wow, okay. So I'm thinking, okay, all in. I'm maybe all in, especially paying my dad's loan, paying off all the taxes. I'm probably all in each one, 350,000. But here's the thing. These houses were selling for 450,000. So I'm thinking there's a way that I can make $200,000 profit here. So this is where I go back to my dad. And I'm like, dad, here's my idea. Here's my plan put the whole presentation together again. And he basically said, absolutely not. He's like, this is crazy. He goes, that house is my collateral for the loan that you owe me right now. And I felt pretty defeated. I ended up going to one of his business partners and I started talking to one of his business partners about it. And his business partner basically helped me get the loan. So he, we got in a conference, basically the three of us, his business partner was like, look, Ron, this is a good plan, actually. This could actually work. If anything doesn't fall through, you're going to make a lot of money off this and you're not going to have to do much. So I used the relationship with his business partner who trusted me a lot because I worked with his business partner on the construction sites throughout high school. He saw how hard of a worker I was. Use that to my advantage. And basically, yeah, we got my dad to give me a second loan, but he was only giving me a loan to build one of the two houses. He's like, all right, I'm going to give you a loan to build the first house. After that, you're on your own. So I'm thinking, perfect. That's all I need. I just need one opportunity. I'm not going to blow it. And this was in now July of 2020 or July, 2019. So get the loan. He gives me 200000 or $250,000 to build this house. So I'm now in debt, $450,000. I'm not cash flowing in any way. And I'm living in my dad's basement. At this point, I'm 26 years old. 
And I, it was just a terrible point in my life, to be honest. Every day I was just working constantly 12, 14 hours, working like 90 hours a week at the time. Really, my relationships with my friends and family were not good. I pushed them all away because I was working so much. I only had a relationship with my dad at this point because he was teaching me how to build. And it was really stressful because every day I was going out door knocking until COVID hit. Then I switched to cold calling to get more of these foreclosures. And every day I was hitting all the new foreclosures and I never got a second deal. Every day for 11 months, I got rejected. And it was really tough. I was in a pretty toxic relationship with a girl at the time while living with my parents. Yeah, but it's rough. Yeah, it is tough. And I was living in their basement and getting that loan from my dad was the hardest loan. I've raised now millions and millions of dollars. And that 450000 from him was the most stressful, uh, stressful loan I've ever had. He's breathing down my neck every day. What are you doing? How are you doing? You're not doing this right. You're not doing this right. And on top of that, like I said, I'm getting rejected every single day for cold calling and door knocking. And the only thing that was keeping me afloat is I was working Zillow leads. So I was a buyer's agent on Zillow. And every couple months I was closing a Zillow deal for with buyers. And that was basically helping me just float on by to pay the bills that needed to be paid and get through. So it was pretty tough. And after COVID, basically June of 2020, I finally finished this house. It took me 11 months to finish this house. It should have only taken me seven. So in the middle of COVID is when you finished. Right when it started. That's fine. In Michigan, the COVID restrictions ended in June. Uh, So so they were only here for a few months. Got it. And in Michigan, that's when the real estate market went bonkers. Just skyrocketed, exploded. So I'm super excited. I finally finished this house. I put my heart and soul into this thing. Finally going to pay my dad off. Finally going to get out of the basement. All this stuff. Put it up for sale. And I get no offers. One week goes by. Two weeks go by. Three weeks go by and zero offers. And this is where the turning point happened in my whole life. This is how I found God. This is how I my business started taking off. This is how I changed as a person. I became basically it was a Saturday night, and I'd see that three weeks go by. Statistically, if three weeks go by and your house isn't sold, you're getting a low ball offer, especially with how hot the market was in July of 2020 or June of 2020. I had an all-out breakdown. I fell to the floor in my dad's basement. I fell into the fetal position. I started crying. Like I cried like I never cried before. And at the time, it's ironic, I was an atheist and I just started praying. I started just praying. I was, I don't know where it came from, but like, I was just praying for God to help me. I haven't prayed since I was in Catholic school in like middle school or whatever. So it's been 15 years since I prayed and uh, I just started praying. I said, God is real estate for me. What's going on? I owe my dad this $450,000. He's breathing down my neck every day. This house isn't selling what am I going to do? I'm living in this basement. I'm in this toxic relationship. I need help. What is going on? Where's my life going? And I just distinctively remember that night because I never don't really cry or I didn't really pray. And I did both wow. just laying on the floor, a 26 year old man just, and uh, two days later, Monday comes, I get a phone call from an agent that Monday morning, Austin, check your email. So I check my email, full price offer on the house doesn't even stop there. Get a second phone call that afternoon. They say, Austin, check your email. I check my email. Second full price offer on the house. No, I didn't, 
I didn't connect it though, Patrick. I didn't connect two and two yet that God was directing me towards real estate. That was what I'm supposed to do with my life. I didn't make that connection or that God even existed at this time. It took me months later to realize that. But yeah, in retrospect, but what I did know was that I had two full price offers on this house and I only had one house to sell, but I had an empty lot next door. I need to make both these offers count. So I started calling up everyone I knew that knew anything about loan products to see what I could do here. And I researched something and I found something called a buyer's end construction loan. Basically, these buyers could get a construction loan for their house that doesn't exist yet. They're taking out a mortgage. I get paid up front for the construction. And basically, I have 12 months to build the house. So I was able to convince one of the two buyers to take this buyer's end construction loan. So within about 30 days now, in August of 2020, I get paid for the house that I just finished. I get all the profit for that, which is basically 100000 and I get all the profit up front from that construction loan on that second house. So basically, I went from owing $450,000 to now being debt-free and having a $200,000 surplus overnight. Now, instead of going and buying my own house, instead of going on a big party or a vacation or something, I took that money and I started ferociously door knocking every double lot in my hometown. And I found another double lot that the ladies, yeah, my dad's going in the hospice, something down in Florida, we need to move it immediately. And I asked her, how much money do you want for the house? What do you think it's worth? She said, 200,000. I said, deal. That's exactly what I had. So I took all of my 200,000, bought this next house, and now I was stuck because I didn't have any more You're like money. like an all or nothing kind of guy. <laughs> no, I am an all or nothing kind of guy. Are you, are you a gambler or what? Just in real estate and business. Estate, right? But here's the thing about gambling Good. and if you take a gamble at a casino, you have a truncated result. You can only win so much money. The odds are against you too. Oh yeah, the odds are against you. But in the game of business, there's no truncation. If you go all in, you have infinite potential. And it's adjusted risk too. You already knew what you were doing in that market and even in that neighborhood. So you had a pretty good idea, I'm assuming, of what 100%. that would do. Yeah. And here's how I did that. So basically, I took really good marketing of that first house that I built. And I took videos, 3D walkthroughs, everything. And I made an agreement with the lady when I sold it to her that I could use her house as a model home at any time with a 24-hour notice. So I put two ghost listings on the MLS for these two, this double lot that I just bought. Didn't even have addresses created yet. Like I just put them up, said address to be determined and basically made up an address and put them up for sale. So within about a month, I had the lot split and the address created through the city. And as soon as that happened, I had both of these already lined up for sale with two more construction loans. So basically I took that and I got paid the profits up front for those construction loans, got paid back for it a lot and doubled my money. Now, oh my God. I went from having 200,000 to 400,000. And in 2020, I ended up doing that eight times over. So I went from being broke owing my dad 450000 to our 350000 to now just going crazy with these double lots. And I had over a million dollar development company had a, basically within a year. So that was pretty eye-opening. It was pretty crazy how that kind of expanded. But the issue was then I got stuck building everything. So in 2020, 2021, got stuck having to build all these houses now. 
having to had to really learn how to use systems, how to use leverage. Ended up buying a house that was not on a double lot, thought it was. The township wouldn't let me split it. So I ended up going and flipping it instead of tearing it down and building two. From there, I got a, a pretty hefty profit in eight weeks off the flip. So I was like, wow, flipping houses is crazy. So I went all in on flipping. I flipped three dozen houses in about two years. And then from there, ended up getting into a lot of rental real estate, buy and hold stuff. Started buying vacation houses in Northern Michigan for Airbnb. And then amassed quite a large portfolio, about 18 houses. And I realized that I can't scale this much longer. And this is where one of my mentors, Tim Bratz, comes into play. And he taught me basically about apartment syndication and commercial investment and how we can how you can then scale using other people's money. Last summer is when I started getting into the commercial game. So we have an apartment complex in near Michigan State University. We have that hotel in Petoskey, Michigan, the Bay End. And now we are under contract for another hotel in Mackinac City, Michigan. And yeah, so the, basically we're under, we're in talks with a bunch of other hotel owners right now. Yeah. So we're just trying to scale it out now. I think the boutique hotels are a lot more interesting to us than apartments. I think they're a lot more advantageous in this current market. And so that's kind of what we're doing. So we're shifting all new construction to Airbnbs. So instead of building houses for others, now I have enough private money from individuals where I can fund them all and I can actually then refinance out and I can hold these Airbnbs, these new construction homes as Airbnbs that I manage. And then instead of going after more long-term rentals, we're going after hotels. So that's where I'm currently at with everything. Nice, man. I want to take a step back yeah. uh, a little bit to that pivotal moment. Yep. And I, I can relate to this pivotal moment myself. I feel every, I, I feel like it's very common for a lot of successful people to go through multiple pivotal moments in their life, but everyone remembers their one pivotal moment. They're like, you know what? I'm done. I want to get to the next level. This is it. And for me, Austin, I remember I also cried and called my mom. I was on the phone with my mom and I was crying because I was, I had lost three jobs in a row. Like I didn't know what I was doing with my life and like miraculously out of nowhere, the timing just worked out where right before it was a cutoff point when I had to go home where I was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to Chicago and just live with my parents. I got a job that was like, there you decent. go. And I was like, okay, great. This is going to hold me over. And then eventually got into real estate and things started popping off. But I remember that moment too, Austin. And going back to that moment, it's hard to even say that the fact that you're even vulnerable on, on this podcast is awesome. So thank you for sharing that. What would you recommend to somebody that gets to that point? And I guess maybe from your own experience, like finding God or finding faith in life, it doesn't have to always be God. It could be something spiritual, right? Like what is that fine coming to terms with where you're at? What was that like? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is not giving up, right? Obviously it sounds as cliche as it sounds, but I didn't give up. I got rejected every day for 11 months. Like I was cold. Imagine cold calling and door knocking every day and never getting a second deal. And the only reason I hate admitting this because I'm not a quitter but I would have quit. The only reason why I'm still in real estate today is because I owed my dad 
hundreds of thousands of dollars and I had to finish this house. If it wasn't for that, I probably would have quit. And I hate admitting that. But so honestly, the moral of the story here is I would have, even if I didn't have that first deal on that first day, I would have eventually had that breakthrough. And the thing is, you just can't quit because you don't know when that breakthrough is going to happen, right? Every single day, we're learning new things. Every day we put our foot forward and our foot forward and our foot forward, we're inching our way up this mountain. We're learning a little bit each day. And it doesn't always accumulate just like that. Sometimes right. it takes a while to reveal itself. So I think that's the biggest thing is, and as cliche as it sounds, just not giving up. You have to stick to something. You have to go all in. You can't have a plan B. If you have a plan B, you're setting yourself up for failure. The only people with plan Bs are people who lose at the end of the day. And as blessed as that sounds, that's it because you have another option. I had no other option. I had to make this work. Um, oh, and my dad, hundreds of thousands of dollars. He's breathing down my neck every day. I'm living in his basement and uh, I had to make it work. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest lessons here. And about God, I think exposing yourself to it is the key. Even if you're not a believer, getting that exposure to the scripture and exposure to him is key. And then God will reveal himself to you once you get vulnerable enough and you truly open up your heart to him. And it's funny because God oftentimes touches us when we're at our most vulnerable points. So that's my advice on that is even if you're not a believer, just start exposing yourself a little bit to that scripture. And eventually God will touch you when this timing is right. So I think those are like two things. And then really what it boils down to is just massive, consistently taking massive strategic action. I did that every day for nine months, seeing no results and just staying consistent with it and consistently putting one foot in front of the next and just taking that massive strategic action every single day um, in everything you do in life. And then that's going to get you to that point. It's just that consistent action taking. Yeah. So that's really the three things it boils down to right there. So I see a lot of parallels with just a lot of people that are previous athletes previous mountain climbers do you think that mountain climbing had anything to do with success in your life yes and no one thing about athletics and about mountain climbing or anything is it takes a lot of grit right it's you're not instantly gratified and being able to withhold from that instant gratification and de actually delaying gratification is huge, especially when building a business or having building up a wealth or a real estate portfolio. Because if you want instant gratification, you're going to go elsewhere. You're going to keep chasing a shiny object. You just got to stay consistent with it. And that's the same thing with rock climbing or mountaineering or anything is it just takes a lot of grit. It takes a lot of practice. It takes day in, day out repetition, that kind of grit transferred over into this. So I do believe that it had something to do with it. Yeah, because your mentality is like another level. <laughs> it's a, yeah, mentality is a huge part of it. Everything in life. It's all about putting one foot in front of the next and just doing the right thing, no matter what it costs. It's just about being a man of character. To me, that's the most important thing. That's awesome. So cool, man. So you got into commercial eventually. Yeah. Uh, why boutique hotels out of anything else? Because that's what you're yeah. doing right now. That's like your game. That's what you're known for now. What's the reasoning behind that? Yeah, that's a great question. It happened by chance. Like I said, last summer, we made the pivot to get towards apartments and we bought one apartment building and it just wasn't fun. It was terrible. I had to evict all these people and it was just a mess. 
And last summer, last July, actually, my business partner who I, I've, there's two business partners, Nick Bastinelli and Rafa Loza. Nick was staying at this hotel and he saw this old man just doing everything, just working hard every single day. And Nick goes up to him and he's like, man, you're working really hard. Do you, are you the owner? And the guy's like, yeah. And Nick's like, do you want to retire? And the guy's like, yeah, I do. So basically he started talking to the guy and got some baseline details about it. I, it was just hard at first because there was no one to really help. There's not a lot of boutique hotel people. So we were trying to figure out how to underwrite this deal. We were calling appraisers. We were calling real estate brokers. We were calling lenders. We were calling like other guys in our community who do other commercial deals. And we were trying to figure out how to underwrite this deal to figure out a price. We finally put some stuff together and we figured out a price. I actually, instead of, they were old. So I was catering to them. Instead of emailing them and maybe getting lost, I actually drove up there with a physical print printout of the letter of intent. And I drove to their house and we were sitting at their kitchen table, watching the sun go down over Lake Michigan because it's lakefront and negotiating the letter of intent, crossed a bunch of stuff out, changed stuff and we got it signed on the spot right there. And then from there, that was a whole new learning lesson, getting this thing to close. We had to raise more money than we've ever raised before. I had to raise $1.4 million. Wow. And then also I had to get a $1.6 million loan. It was extremely challenging. We learned a ton. I can't believe that we even got the deal to close because we don't have hotel experience. Even Rafa, he's just, he's a short-term rental guy. This was his first hotel. Mm -hmm. So the bank was like really going down hard on us, but we didn't give up. We got extension after extension. And after six months, we closed the deal. We got the deal to close, got the hotel fully renovated now. And it's beating all of our performance, actually. It's I saw Rafa, I was like, I saw him on my feed, on my Instagram feed. And I was like, what is this Californian doing in Michigan? <laughs> like in the snow. Uh, this is so unnatural because I'm from Chicago. So I yeah, know yeah. that area as well, which is okay. I used to vacation there as a kid. So yeah. I was like, okay, this is, why is that guy even there? But yeah, Rafa's Rafa. But then I realized that he's doing deals there. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Um, but it goes to show because I know it's really competitive here in LA. So taking that edge and bringing it to someplace like Michigan, where there's a lot of mom and pop shop operations is you guys are crushing it. I saw the hotel. You guys did a fantastic job. Thank you. Appreciate uh, yeah. it. You got, for people that want to check it out, what's the name of the hotel? It's the Bay Inn of Petoskey. Bay Inn of Petoskey. You guys can just Google it. It'll come right up. New website is being worked on. Should be up this month. But yeah, just Google the Bay Inn of Petoskey. It's exciting because we have we actually have another one about 45 minutes away in Mackinac City that we're closing on in October. And then we actually, this is a bad story, but we ended up losing a lot of money. We were in escrow on another hotel deal and ended up, you know, didn't pan out. Ended up having to split the EMD 50-50. Lost. Talk, talk, talk a little bit more about that. Just yeah. elaborate a little bit more, like how EMDs are different. Cause I was under contract in a hotel too. And oh. I didn't realize how high those EMDs are. EMD meaning like the earnest deposit that you have to put down to check yeah. the property out. But anyways, yeah. go for it. Yeah. So basically we had to put, to lock this property up, we had to put $72,000 in escrow and we were pretty confident about the property, right? We ever checked all of our boxes. And as time went on, about three months went down the road and we the lending end has completely changed. Basically, the lenders now wanted not only corporate guarantees, but they wanted personal guarantees 
our personal and corporate guarantees. They wanted all this money held like in a separate escrow account after we close. Uh, yeah, they wanted six months worth of all costs held in another account. And we're, yeah, it was crazy. The whole and the interest went up by a point and a half in the meanwhile. I think lending is one of the hardest things in commercial. Uh, that oh. is, that's the reason our deal fell through too. Is lending. That's it, and that's it, and that's why that's why this fell through. Our lawyer said we had the right to back out because basically it was due to insufficient funding. Or I would say, not insufficient. What's the word they used? They used some like legal term, but basically that's what the two lawyers were arguing over what that legal term meant. And there was not, it wasn't in the contract. So it was going to go to the judge for the judge to define what that meant. So basically it ended up going 50, 50 and we had to split the earnest money 50, 50. So we lost $36,000 plus all my other due diligence stuff, which was under 10,000. What did you learn from that though? Oh guys, you need to be extremely careful with a large earnest money like that. First off, you need to make sure that your attorney knows what he's talking about. We used an attorney that maybe we should not have been using because he was a little bit cheaper. Don't try to cheap out on your attorney. Use a good attorney for this kind of stuff. One, that's like the number one thing I learned from this. The number two thing that I learned from this is that you always want to use your own money for that earnest money deposit. Don't risk someone else's money on this. We were talking, we were toying with the idea of using a fund to fund the earnest money so that we could keep buying more and more, but you're putting other people's money at risk and you never want to, as a good syndicator, as a good fund manager, you never want to put other people's money at risk. Of course, every investment could lead to a loss. However, you don't want to do something as risky as an EMD when you don't own the property yet. So that's another big lesson. I'm so thankful that I used my own money and I lost my money instead of losing someone else's money because you can always recover but maybe we could have lost someone's money and they couldn't recover from that. I think those are the two big lessons. Use a good attorney. Don't cheap out on the attorney and use like the cheap guy, the new guy down the street like we did. And two is make sure you use your own money that you can afford to lose for an earnest money deposit. Because even if you think you got this in the bag, stuff happens and it's real. And if you don't, if you can't afford to lose that earnest money, then don't put it down because it could put you under. Yeah. And it's not worth risking the rest of your portfolio for that. So those are like the two huge lessons that I learned there, making sure you're using the right attorney and making sure that you're using your own money for that. And that was, that was your college education you mentioned. Yes, that was, I paid for a college education in one transaction, almost $40,000 I lost. And I don't like talking about it. It's like not something to be proud of, but it's real life guys. Of We all on our Instagram, we just post the highest. We don't post the lows, but this is real. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I lost a hundred thousand dollars on a flip. Yeah, it's, it happens. But at the end of the day, like the net, like how much money you've made versus how much you've lost. <laughs> yes. It's very, it's very, yes. Yeah. No, that that's the thing. So in just a couple of years, I made millions of dollars and this is the only deal I've actually ever lost on. So it's, but then people usually get so scared from those losses that they don't look at the successes. Yeah. You know, 100%. Yes, it's, it's an interesting thing, but uh, based off that is actually why we chose to buy this next hotel cash. Or basically it's $950,000. We ended up just raising the all 950,000 because we didn't want to have to go through the with the lending process. Lending. Yeah. So lending sucks. You rather yes. do it show 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 good numbers for 2 years and then you can refinance. 
and that's it. So that's our goal right now is I think the next few deals. Yeah. We're just going to buy it. We're just going to pay cash. We're going to raise all the money hundred percent. And then from there, once we have a good enough repertoire of properties and we have a good enough just name for ourselves as hotel operators, then the banks will be much easier on us. Then we can actually take all this money, roll it into a fund in a couple of years. And hopefully the investors will be that happy with us and then just go from there. So that's my game plan. Cool, man. So yeah. that's awesome. So I want to get into the last three questions for you, Austin. Yeah. And I always do one. Most, the two other questions are very common that I do on every show, but I always do one special question just for okay. every guest I think of yep. on the spot. And so for you, I haven't even thought of that question, but I will. And okay. the first question I want to ask is what book do you recommend to people to read? I recommend reading the Bible. There you go. Oh, I know this is a very, probably, I don't know if you ever heard someone said that in your podcast. Nobody has said it yet. So you're the first one. It's the best book of business there is. Business is a relationship game. And if you follow the principles of the Bible, you're going to be good at building relationships. People are going to trust you and people knowing, liking, and trusting you is the fundamental basis of them doing deals with you. Yeah. So if you're just a biblical man of character, uh, even if people are atheists, they don't care. They're going to see that you're a good person of character. Reading that Bible has been huge to me. And just a shout out to all your listeners, Patrick, if you guys are new to this, I recommend the Quest NIV study Bible. Makes it so much easier. What um, is that? Is that just a more friendly version of that? Yes. So you grew up Catholic, right? I grew up Catholic okay. and then so I, Catholic yeah. is the heart. I grew up Catholic. Catholic yeah. is the hardest to grow it, up with. Like they put it down your throat. Like it's crazy. And that's what made me resent yep. uh, like God and uh, not God, but just the whole. Oh yeah. That's why I became life. atheist. That's why I was atheist for a while because of that. It pushes you yeah. away. That's a whole different conversation, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the NIV study Bible is the new international version. Basically it's super easy, like layman's terms. So it's not like dissecting words. So you, you can really understand it. And then the Quest Study Bible version is basically, it has little snippets on the side. So it explains what's happening, why this is important, has timelines, it has little maps of the area of the Middle East that they traveled around. So you can really understand what you're reading. And that's why I recommend it. It's not gibberish. It's like literally, oh, cool. Like yeah, you're breaking it Yeah, down. you can actually understand it. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Yeah. So that's my book that I recommend for everyone. Even if you're going to take one chapter a week, spend 15 minutes a week, it could really change your life. Great. So Austin, I want to give you this question. Let's yeah. say that you've raised a hundred million dollars. What would you do with that money in the hotel space? I'm curious what you would see as an opportunity in a hotel space to be able to deploy that money into. Yes. Yeah, so the biggest thing we're looking at areas that are more in the Great Lakes region. So we think the Great Lakes region over the next few decades is going to continue to grow. We've already seen growth in coastal regions in the Great Lakes over the past two decades. And I think it's just getting started. It too. Yeah, we think it's just getting started. We think the whole Great Lakes region is going to just continue to grow, especially as cap rates decompress on the coastals. So like Atlantic coast, Pacific coast, cap rates are so low now on hotels that a lot of times it's hard to make it work where still in Michigan on the lakes, you're getting great. You can buy something at a 12 cap, no problem. So it's pretty incredible there. So that's what I would do. Basically I would take that money and I would probably go into new development into the great lakes. 
is where I would go go that route. So you'd buy lots like yep. on the lake and then you would develop. Pretty much either that or I would buy old buildings on the lake and tear them down and then rezone, redevelop. It's a pretty risky process, but if we have that big of a fund that we could deal with, that's how we get that's how you get the big returns, really, is that new development. So nice. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And la- last thing, what does the future hold for Austin? Patrick, I'm unsure. All I know is that <laughs> I have to keep up one foot in front of the next, just being a good man of moral character. I just keep working hard, working smart. And I think the plan will unveil itself. I'm not really... So you're climbing this mountain. You don't think you're going to summit the mountain at some point? Or are you just going from mountain to mountain? Just to, you know, <laughs> so you, you know, find bigger mountains to climb. That's it. I don't have a necessarily... I used to have all these... Okay. This is actually a pretty good little lesson here for myself. And just the lesson I learned is that when I had specific goals, I was so focused on those goals and I would ignore the actions. What I've changed my mindset to is my goal is the action. So my goal is to do X, Y, and Z every day, every week, every month versus my goal is to own all this over here. So once I changed my kind of goals to the action steps. Enjoying the journey. So like- your focus is less on the outcome and more on the journey, I think is what you're trying to say. That's that's a beautifully said fact. That's it. So it's focusing on that journey. And for me, that journey is like a handful of things. One, it's just healthy relationships with everyone around me, just being a genuine human with those around me. Two, it's having that relationship with God as well. Three, it's about the finances. We have to keep doing things every day that are going to propel us towards financial success. And then four, we have to do things every day that are going to propel us towards physical and mental, emotional and spiritual health and success. So many people get stuck on just the physical health, but they forget about their their emotional health. They forget about their spiritual health, all that. And very really balanced. I think a lot of a lot of times people don't think about the holistic structure of how everything plays into into each other. And they think maybe physical and they're like, oh, maybe physical will make me better with business. But they don't think, oh, mental, physical, spiritual, diets, education, like everything all comes together. Your, life, your relationships. It, yeah. And it all comes together. And I used to not be balanced at all. All I did was work for three years straight. And, and that's I, when you fell into that hole, right? Is when you used to it. work and like you only had a relationship with your dad. Yeah. And that's it. It's really being able to experience life as the journey. And that's why now I don't set goals as I want to accomplish this because I get fixated on that goal and I don't enjoy the journey. Like you just said, yeah, yeah. I don't enjoy the journey. Life's special every single day, even if we haven't accomplished our goals yet. So even on the shittiest day, it's still a great day. <laughs> that's awesome man dude that, that was a i think that's a great way to end this man is just enjoy the journey and just go with the flow i think i've also done that as well as started going with the flow in life but that's awesome man another place where people can actually the last thing i want to ask is where can people connect with you if they want to get maybe talk to you or get reach you yeah yeah, the best place is Instagram. Just DM me. I go through my hidden DMs like once a week. So if it takes a week, don't worry about it. I'll get to you. But it's A-U-S-T-O-N-C-O-K. So Austin Cook at Instagram. And if you shoot me a DM, we'll get back to you. The other thing is I'm going to be at Patrick's event here, STR Nation in September. Let's so if you, want to, yeah, if you want to meet me there, we'll be there. So me, my partner, Rafa, Patrick, a bunch of guys. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be a really good time. So if you really want to get to know Austin and talk with him, the VIP 
would be an amazing time where we're all going to pretty much be on this boat. It'd be awesome. So you can have some one-on-one time, but uh, grab your tickets, str-nation.com. But uh, without further ado, thank you so much, Austin. And I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Patrick. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Patrick Real Estate Show. If you found this episode helpful, please give us a follow and leave us a five-star review. Your support truly means a lot. And connect with Patrick in the show notes below. Until next time.